Hello, I'm Jeremy McMahon, meditation teacher, Tibetan Buddhist scholar, and audio engineer. And welcome to Meditating with Friends, a podcast where we explore meditation through friendly conversation. Each episode includes a guided meditation that you are invited to join. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in working with me one-on-one to help deepen your meditation practice, check out my website, jeremymcmindfulness.com. Now, enjoy the show. Yo, 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 everybody. Again, it is your host, your boy, your guy, Jeremy McMindfulness, here with another episode of Meditating with Friends, and I'm super excited to get to you. Uh, This week, we're talking to another one of my good friends uh, from high school, actually, uh, Nathaniel Kerbin. Uh, Nathaniel Kerbin is a folk singer, songwriter, uh, excellent folk singer and songwriter, I may add. And he's just come out with a new song uh, called Black and Blue uh, that is really, really, really good. So you should definitely check it out. Uh, links to his music below, uh, or you can just search on Apple or Spotify, n.curbin. Uh, so yeah, really great to have Nathaniel uh, on the podcast this week. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, nature and mental health. Uh, Nathaniel lives in Los Angeles, and uh, at the very beginning of the episode, uh, we talk a lot about um why he finds Los Angeles beneficial specifically to his mental health. And a lot of that has to do with the nature. Uh, and also I just want to say like Nathaniel was really open about his mental health struggles and mental health journey, uh, which I think is, uh, really admirable. Uh, so thank you, Nathaniel. Thank you for being open about that. Uh, we also talk about, uh, the limitations of talk therapy, which is, <laughs> you know, again, something I've touched on before on this podcast and probably will keep touching on again and again and again. Uh, and then also another topic that we discuss is the importance of exercise. Um, and that is something I also want to emphasize too, is that, uh, again, if you're not med- if, <laughs> if you're not meditating, if you're not exercising, if you're having mental health problems and uh, you know struggling with depression and anxiety, and you're not exercising, that really, in my mind, needs to be the first thing that you start doing. Um, also, I just want to say, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, you know, please subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you are listening to this podcast. If you, if you can write a review. I'd really appreciate that. And uh, last, uh, you know, if you like this podcast uh, and find it beneficial, you know, send it along to a friend. Uh, I'd really appreciate that. So without further ado, uh, here's Nathaniel and enjoy the show. And we are rolling. So hello, everybody, and welcome to another very special for, uh, episode of Meditating with Friends. Uh, I'm here with my good friend, uh, Nathaniel Kerbin, uh, also known as N. Dot Kerbin. <laughs> uh, he's a folk singer, uh, and uh, we're going to talk about his music today. But first, uh, just Nathaniel, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me. I've been uh, following along with the pod and really enjoyed it. So I'm uh, uh, honored to honored to be a part of it. 
That's awesome, dude. I mean, yeah, again, I really appreciate uh, you f- checking out the pod and following it. And yeah, when you were like, oh, I've been listening, I was like, great, you know, because <laughs> basically everybody else I've asked, they've been like, so what do you do on your podcast? And I'm like, yeah, you haven't heard it yet. So <laughs> do I they feel, get caught? Uh, do they get caught out of left field with the uh, little uh, guided meditation at the end? No, they know that part. <laughs> they know that part at least. But um, but yeah, but I do appreciate you checking it out. And uh, speaking of checking things out, um, I was just checking out your new song, um, Black and Blue. That's it? Or is it Blue and Black? <laughs> <laughs> Black and Blue. Black and Blue. Okay, cool. I got it right. Um, and yeah, man, it's really good. It sounds really awesome. Um, like sonically, it's just great. Did you record it yourself? Uh, thanks. Yeah, I, I did. I did right here in the, uh, in the living room. I mean, what, what better place than to record in your own living room and, uh, and just to let everybody know, uh, where's your living room at these days? Uh, I'm in LA these days <laughs> and, uh, you're not on fire or anything like that. <laughs> not yet. Uh, I think come like late September, uh, we'll check in again. Might okay. be a different answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you've been out in LA a couple years now and, uh, how are you liking it out there? Yeah, it's been almost two years. I, I like it a lot. Um, it's the first place I've been other than, uh, where you and I grew up in Virginia beach that has really felt like, uh, like a home. Um, oh, yeah? there's a comfort there. Yeah. There's a comfort level out here that, um, was almost immediate when we got here, um, that, uh, I wasn't expecting necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I've been, it, it's been really nice. It's, it's a, it's a very comfortable environment. Um, place I'm That's happy awesome. to be. Well, I'm, I'm happy for you, man. I'm glad you, glad you found, found your spot. And, uh, I just had a curiosity. I mean, what, what do you think lend, lended to that comfort? Um, anything in particular? I think the biggest thing is just the, um, the ability to be outside. Uh, I've realized over time that, uh, a really important thing to, to me and to my, uh, I don't know, my comfort and my, my mental health is to be able to be outside, um, Mm -hmm. and also to look out a window and, and see sky and, and see green and, uh, uh, see something other than just kind of the wall of the, the wall of the building across the street. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I've been, <laughs> I've been really feeling that myself, dude. I mean, I, I went, I t- did like a three week trip, um, in the beginning, like end of May, beginning of June. And, you know, I went down to Virginia beach, uh, and then I was in Greensboro, North Carolina to see my cousin there. And then I was in Nashville, um, for a bit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a big takeaway was like, I was like, Oh my God, like, I just want to be outside all the time. (laughs) Like it feels so good. And that, that trip was very well documented in the, uh, recent music video for beach on a beer. Oh, we don't talk about my music on here. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but yes, uh, Nathaniel is, uh, referring to my, uh, we're not a band cause, uh, we decided that we're all in our thirties, so we're too old to be starting bands. (laughs) Um, but I'm involved in this music project called big house and it's me, uh, my roommate, Abe and our friend Zach pulse. And, uh, we just came out with a song and a music video, uh, for a song called beach on a beer. (laughs) And if you haven't checked it out, you're making a huge mistake. Yes. uh, Uh, Which you can rectify now. 
Yeah. <laughs> go just stop the podcast and yeah. go listen to that. Um, yep. but yeah, thanks for checking that out, dude. I really appreciate it. And, um, of course. yeah. So like, yeah, just being outside, being in the yard and I mean, I mean, you know, you lived in New York. I mean, the one thing New Yorkers all love to talk about is uh, how they can't wait to leave New York. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it just got me thinking that, like, maybe, yeah, I don't know. In the long term, I think I'm going to need a little more space, a little more green, just like you're saying. Um, And you're close to the – are you close to the beach? Yeah, relatively close. Um, We're about – uh, on a good traffic day, we're about 25 or 30 minutes from, from the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not far. We're kind of, uh, not quite on the east side, but not on the west side, kind of, uh, in the middle, a nice little, nice little pocket that nobody knows about. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I've been going to, to the beach a lot too. And, uh, I keep joking about how I've been working on my tan and, uh, but to like all jokes aside, like, I mean, what you're saying about mental health and, uh, um, and being outside, like, I think like sunbathing has actually like significantly improved my mental health and, uh, I'm kind of like addicted to it now. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, man, I, I get, get the being outside thing. You got to, Luckily, you're going to be that old guy, uh, on the beach who's slightly purple. Yeah, dude. I, I was like last summer, um, like the end of summer, I started going to the beach a lot. Cause again, it was just like, you know, COVID and it was like the only thing we could do. But, uh, yeah, I just had this, I just had this feeling. I was like, man, I want to get like tan as fuck. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so it was kind of late when I came to that realization, um, in last summer. So, so I, I got on it very quickly this summer and I mean, I, I try to stay humble, but, uh, people tell me that they've been pretty <laughs> impressed by it. So, <laughs> nice. Nice. um, but back, uh, to the song and, uh, yeah, like I said, I was just listening to it right before I got on the podcast and, the thing that struck struck me about it and what's actually like struck me about like the last kind of the last three singles in particular that you've put out. Um, I'm not quite sure how to put it, but it's like there's a certain quality I feel to your songwriting that's like very much. I, it's, it's very vivid in terms of its imagery. Um, and I just feel like when I'm listening to your songs, it's like, I'm getting like a very like particular, like snapshot of, of like, of what's going on, you know? Um, so I don't know. How do you feel about me saying that? Like, uh, is that something you like try to aim for in your writing? Like, or, uh, you know, what's your process there? It's definitely something that that I aim for. Um, and it's something that I've been aiming for more and more, um, I think that as I kind of started writing songs, I mean, I've been writing bits of songs here and there since I was a kid, but um, as I started getting more serious about it, at first it was very much more uh, a process of uh, kind of exploring just feelings mm-hmm. writ large. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, I mean, you, you've heard some of my earlier, some of the stuff I put out, I don't know, a couple of years ago now. Right. And it's, it's a little bit... Um, 
yeah, it's a little more broad and it's a little bit um, to my ear now unfocused mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what it's trying to say. And so one of the things that I, I've tried to focus on um, as I've tried to kind of hone the craft and as a craft, not just as a, as a thing to do, but uh, as a thing to really dive into mm-hmm. um, is to write more specifically. And the way that that has manifested has been that I think my, my best results in terms of writing has been when writing about something, it has to start somewhere specific mm, for me, mm-hmm. um, like a specific memory of a, of a certain person or a certain moment that can then kind of like blossom or balloon into, into being about something less specific, mm. but, uh, having those very specific memories to draw on, um, definitely leads to a more specific and, uh, I, I think kind of visual, uh, type of storytelling, which is something I, I've definitely, uh, tried to attempt. Yeah. Well, I, I'm saying, I'm going to say that you, uh, I, I would say that you're pretty successful at it, my friend. And, uh, yeah, Thank you. like it also reminds me of something too, um, like Jarvis Cocker from Pulp, uh, was always talk about how specific his lyrics are. And, you know, he, like he's singing about like, you know, being a specific, like a working class person in like a specific small town in England and, and shit like that. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting how through specificity you find, you know, you, it does lead to a certain universality that sometimes being universal, uh, really doesn't lead to anything at all, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I think that's like the, the magic sweet spot that, not every songwriter is looking for, but a lot of songwriters are looking for, um, of like write something that is personal to you, Mm -hmm. but keep it, but express it in such a way that it is relatable and, and universal in a sense. Um, and that's when you get into, um, kind of like really magical songwriters who can, who can write those universal ideas without it sounding, uh, trite or corny. Yeah. I'm like thinking too, like what's striking in my mind right now is, uh, that Leonard Cohen song, uh, famous blue raincoat. And it's like, <laughs> like wh- why, why would I fucking care about someone's like blue raincoat? Like, you know, like right. I don't know anybody with a blue raincoat, but like it, it, it's such a powerful, image that yeah i don't know it becomes personal to me and like you know anytime i would see somebody or will see somebody with a blue raincoat you know it's like uh yeah you know that means something to me now yeah i mean that's almost like a special kind of like inverse of that idea right it's like it's not something that meant anything to you before the song but the song ingrained this importance of the raincoat to the point where now it, it is actually like a meaningful thing in your in your non kind of oral life. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, relating this, you know, to, uh, meditation as we do, um, <laughs> like what, what's striking me now is like this idea. Cause like the thing, you know, the criticism of meditation often is like, well, you're not doing anything like, you know, you could be, you could be out there like helping people, um, or something like that, you know, particularly if you're like, you know, a monk meditating your entire life in a cave, it's like, well, great, great. But are you actually helping anybody? And I can understand that criticism for sure. But like, 
just uh, getting into the specifics of your own personal experience and the way that your own mind works and the way that your feelings work and how that relates to sensations in your body, like, I feel like that does lend to a certain universality of experience where, you know, people often say that a side effect of meditation is, you know, becoming more empathetic and that by understanding yourself better, you understand others better. Yeah. I buy that for sure. And I, I was also going to say too, that I feel with like your songs again, particularly these last ones. And I don't know, maybe it's because it's like, um, kind of like these snapshots of these moments, but like it seems like the narrator of the song does is really coming at uh, the moment with like a voice of like really deep compassion. Yeah, I I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> and so like you know, uh, well, well, why do you hope so? Like, why was I mean? I guess that was the goal, but like, why why were you aiming at that? I don't know, without, again, trying to avoid sounding trite, but mm-hmm. uh, part of my kind of journey through uh, my own mental health, which has uh, involved struggles and triumphs, as, as most folks have, mm-hmm. I suppose, um, one of the things that I've, I've learned about myself uh, is that there is a, a deep um, instinct for empathy mm. that... Um, was often uh came into conflict with a deep instinct for control Mm, yeah uh and and those often led to um it basically just manifested as like being a bit of an oversensitive person at times um (laughs) yeah and (laughs) i I I just i just laugh because of the the combination of the two it's like and that yeah yeah that's funny yeah it's i mean it's a clear like uh, two, two kind of themes set up for conflict for sure. Right. Right. Uh, and, um, so as I've kind of explored, uh, through songwriting and just through introspection and through, um, various, uh, therapy and, and different approaches to, to that kind of thing, uh, a big thing has been trying to relinquish control, Mm. um, and letting the empathy be there. Uh, for the sake, for its own sake. Mm. Um, it's not like I'm trying to be, it's not like I need to prove to anyone that I have strong empathy. Right. It's just, let me just be this person who is, who has this kind of instinct for empathy mm-hmm. uh, and, and not let that get muddied by uh, intention. Hmm. Hmm. Like, hmm, speak a little more, like muddied by intention. I, I'm just curious what you mean by that. Sure. Yeah. I think that, um, and this is, I mean, this is exact, this feels like therapy now, which is great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> say a bit more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Little- no, we can talk more. I was, I was listening to, uh, I think it was, um, what's her name? Alyssa. Uh, she was a life coach. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, the episode that you did with her, mm-hmm. um, and talking about the, the kind of limitations of, of talk therapy, mm, mm-hmm. um, which we can probably get into as well. Yeah. Uh, cause it, it really, that struck, it struck a chord with me oh, for sure. Yeah. Good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, so in terms of, uh, the kind of intention getting in the way of empathy, I think what I mean is, um, 
there were there have been moments where I've been too proud of myself for having empathy. Mm, okay, uh, and then and then having to uh, feeling like there was a need to um, display it mm. almost as like a, a performative thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, anyway, anytime anything becomes performative, uh, the the kind of truth in it and the the realness in it fades quickly. Yeah. Um, and so for me, as I was trying to perform the role of who I think I actually am, which is kind of an odd, I don't know, playing the role of yourself, I suppose, in a way, um, it, uh, it created some kind of, at least for me, I think a lot of internal, uh, stress and strain that didn't need to be there. Yeah, no, I, I, that makes sense to me. And I, I personally do relate to that as well. Um, like, I kind of feel like it's, you know, oftentimes we have, or just for me personally, like I've had this image in my mind of like who I want to be. And like, I try to be that. And of course it's an image and it's like perfect. And, uh, you know, there's no way I can ever really match up to it. Right. Uh, so I have also felt that like, you know, through therapy, um, and other practices and through meditation that it's like, it is sort of a bit more of like kind of coming back to who I actually am rather than like who I imagine to be. And, you know, instead of just striving to be this imaginary person that's in my mind, I'm just spending more time just being who I am in actuality. Yeah. I, I, it's a strong, approach. And I, I wonder if some of it has to do with, uh, we're just getting a little older mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, we've, our whole lives we've been told like, Oh, by the time you're X age, like you'll stop caring about, you'll start, you'll start, uh, you'll stop caring about what, what other people think. You'll stop caring about perception, right. XYZ. Um, and so I'm not sure whether, <laughs> I'm not sure how much of that is true or how much it has been, kind of the process of working to get to that point, right. but, uh, perhaps a combination of the two, uh, has led to kind of a, I don't know, a more comfortable spot in, in kind of figuring out who we are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it is a bit, you know, getting older and I certainly felt like when I, when I first turned 30, like, like the day I turned 30, I was kind of like, this is great. Like, you know, this is like, I'm like, I've made it this far being like, you know, who I am. And so like, whatever, you know, this is kind of who I am. And I've kind of like gone back. I don't know. Now I'm like, oh, now I'm 33 and now I'm like feeling old. But, um, (laughs) but I've also, it reminds me too of like, this is something that my, uh, bioenergetics teacher Devaraj has, um, mentioned and i've mentioned bioenergetics before on the podcast but it's it's a body-based essentially it's a body-based form of psychotherapy and stems from the psychotherapeutic tradition but he he often has put it like around the age like just up until the age of 30 you know like people's egos are so strong um and and like once you like hit 30 or like ego kind of like weakens a bit and then like all the repressed stuff starts to come out (laughs) and and i definitely felt that (sighs) yeah in 
that time period. I mean, up until this point, like, you know, I mentioned like the day I turned 30, it felt great, but pretty soon after that, yeah, that's when I kind of, uh, hit the wall in terms of like figuring out that, yeah, I was having like these cycles of very deep depressions, like a, just recognizing that that was what was going on. And then just like, be realizing that I needed to do something about it, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, whatever it was, you know, I'm, I'm glad, you know, in the end, I'm glad, you know, I went through it cause all the work that I've done, I think is worth it. And I do feel like in a lot of ways, I'm like way more happier now than I was when I was in, you know, my late twenties or something like that. So it's uh it's tough work but you know the work's got to be done at some point <laughs> I, that's how i feel at least and like maybe maybe not when you're 30 uh you know and if you're still trucking along and fine you know uh good for you but like you know <laughs> it could hit you at some point i think yeah i mean i, I think that i i agree completely um and i i feel like we you and i were growing up kind of just before the uh, kind of oh, what's the word like uh, destigmatization yeah. of of yeah. mental health as a converse, as something to talk about, um, and so I wonder for myself like I I don't really feel like I got anywhere near understanding um, kind of where I where I needed to be or where I wanted to be mentally and emotionally mm. until I was about thirty. Uh, and so I wonder if, if I were 13, 14, 15 now, uh, if I could have, uh, kind of addressed this stuff or at least recognized it for what it was, um, at that age and then had, uh, kind of a, a, a different mental health trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely remember, I mean, I personally, for me growing up, like, uh, therapy at least wasn't really stigmatized in my family. And like, you know, we'd see like counselors every once in a while. And I remember like liking as a kid, like going to see a counselor. Cause it was just like, Oh, it's just this nice lady I talked to. <laughs> like, um, but I definitely remember growing up and it being stigmatized and, uh, you know, like mentioning it to people and people being like, giving me a weird look and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like I've always been kind of in, interested in, you know, exploring myself. Um, but I guess for me, you know, to get to your point about like the limitations of talk therapy was like, I, I really don't think I started to get to grapple with myself a until, well, first really first it was like meditation, um, and then, uh, and then the bioenergetics practice that I do too. And like really recognizing the connection between the mind and the body has been like, uh, absolutely fundamental for me. Yeah, that's great. And, um, I mean, uh, do you work out? Do you, uh, like exercise as part of your mental health routine? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I think that has been the most consistent uh, aspect of my mental health routine as long as I can mm -hmm. remember. 
Um, yeah. There, I've kind of, I've gone through phases of having a, a really good uh, kind of mindfulness practice mm-hmm. with kind of basic meditation every day and, and kind of carving out that block of time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has not been uh, nearly as consistent over the years as, uh, as exercise. Um, yeah. Just moving around. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a mystery at all. People know exactly why it works, but, uh, mm-hmm. and yet every time, it works. I'm amazed that it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's really powerful stuff. And I mean, like I am a firm believer, you know, uh, as much as, you know, I s- support meditation. I mean, for a long time for me, it was like either one or the other. And now I'm like, no, I gotta, I gotta have both. And, uh, I really do feel that like, if you are depressed Um, and I know I probably sound like a jock saying this, but like (laughs) if you are depressed and are worried about your mental health and you're not exercising regularly, like you are just shooting yourself in the foot. Like that really needs, in my mind needs to be step one. Like if meditation is too woo woo for you, like just do that. And I mean, again, like you said, uh, like there's so much evidence to suggest, you know, scientific evidence to suggest, you know, how good exercise is for your mental health, you know? Um, and like, yeah, there's some like, you know, some studies show that like exercising three times a week is just as effective as being on antidepressants. And, uh, Hmm. Yeah. And based on my experience of being on antidepressants, I'd say it's actually more effective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, for me, one of the big things, um, that exercise does for me, it gives me a, an opportunity to have a block of time where there's no input really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like, if I'm out for, if I'm going to go for a run, um, like I, I, not super consistent on this, but generally I try, I don't take headphones with me or anything. I don't listen Mm. to music. I don't listen to podcasts or anything. Mm. It's just, uh, just a time for there to be nothing going in. Um, other than just kind of like looking around and seeing the world around me and doing some kind of like self narration. Yeah. Um, other than that, it's just a time for just some like just to kind of create a bit of a bubble, a little bit of space uh, around me. Yeah. I think that's a good strategy. I mean, I definitely will listen to music and podcasts when I work out, but uh, I, I still um, I've done, I'm not scared of working out without that anymore that I'll put it Mm -hmm. that way. And I definitely like, if I don't have like, my headphones or whatever i'm like i'm still gonna work out you know um yeah because because like yeah that in and of itself is such a great experience and yeah that you don't need uh in you don't need anything to be inputted into you i mean there's always stuff being inputted into you anyway as you said you like (laughs) you're always seeing stuff and you're always listening to stuff um but yeah, you gotta, gotta exercise. And, uh, yeah, when you have, so you've done meditation in the past, right? I have. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, what's been your experience with that? Um, it's been overwhelmingly positive. 
it's been, I, I think, so my, my experience with it has, was generally, it started when I was, I started going to some kind of, uh, what was it called? Like cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, doing that kind of alongside some talk therapy when I was uh, kind of swimming in the depths of uh, some pretty uh, tough depression a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that came out of that was just a recommendation to, cause we would do uh, kind of little guided meditations during those sessions. Mm-hmm. And so finding ways to, do it outside of the, outside of the, the, um, that space, uh, I started doing, I got the call map, um, and just started mm-hmm. doing those kind of like 10, 15, 20 minutes a day. Uh, and it was, I was very effective. Um, mm-hmm. it was the days when I, like, I was pretty, I was consistent for, I would say 18 months, uh, mm-hmm. of every day. Um, and that's awesome with, with some, yeah, no, it was great. And I mean, it's like anything else, uh, you get better at it with time. Uh, mm-hmm. I was very bad at it at first. Um, mm-hmm. everyone, but, is. uh, right. I mean, it's, it's just not, it's a, it's a new muscle to yeah. kind of learn how to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but the day there were some days where I either, I was too busy or just kind of things got in the way and I didn't do it. And the, there was a, a very noticeable sharp difference between the days when I, uh, meditated and days when I didn't, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. just in terms of how I was impacted by, uh, or how I felt about, uh, things that happened during the day, whether it was a a work thing or, uh, just uh, something, seeing something out in the world. Uh, everything just felt a little bit softer, uh, on days when I meditated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great, great plug for meditation right there. And I mean, it's also like, that's why we meditate too. It's like, or at least that's why I, I meditate and that's how I teach meditation is like, that's why we're meditating is so that when we get off the mat, like our day is better, you know? Right. Uh, it's not about, you know, trying to have, uh, you know, transcend and, you know, break, into the astral plane like you know if, if you want you know t- take, right. take 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 go to go get some ayahuasca if you want that like, you know? <laughs> like right. and it's yeah it's always funny to me when everyone yeah whatever anybody's uh <laughs> like oh i was seeing all these colors or these images in my meditation and i'm like yeah those are all just distractions <laughs> like, <laughs> like the thing that they liked about it was just distractions yeah in a pure yeah. sense i mean i practice other forms of meditation too with with more like um visualization uh that's what i've been focusing more on lately is like visualization meditation yeah I mean, just to, I mean, it's, so just to kind of wrap up my little thing there on, on, it's just that I think that one, I, I limited myself. And uh, one of the reasons that I, I was really excited to talk to you today, um, is to hopefully jumpstart myself back into, uh, a meditation practice, um, mm-hmm. just by having it on my mind. Yeah. Um, because I was doing it, um, in response to something. Like mm. I started, I started my meditation practice as, uh, as kind of a, a medicine for, right. uh, the, um, 
for the depression and, and worry that I was feeling at that time, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, to draw another sports parallel. Uh, it's kind of like doing, uh, it's like only doing physical therapy after you get hurt. Right. But not like not building up the, the, not doing the stretching and, and all the work to avoid getting, not the preventative stuff. Right. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Um, and so I'm hoping I want to, I, I want to dive back into a solid meditation practice now that I'm, uh, you know, feeling in a much, uh, I don't know, happier, stronger, uh, more comfortable spot mm-hmm. in my life. Um, and try to establish that practice as a, uh, as a, as a foundational thing rather than just a response to other stuff going on. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And I mean, best of luck to you. And, uh, you know, I'm here, <laughs> I'm here to support you, man. And like, it, it is really like, I mean, for me, uh, having, uh, some type of regular external like meditation thing, uh, was really helpful for me to to build up the strength to have like a regular practice and like i was working at the rubin museum and we would have weekly meditations that i would give the tour um i would give a tour after the meditations so i'd always go to the meditations and like yeah having that every week was like really really great to be like even if i just like messed up a week uh you know like I noticed that generally like after the weekend, like come Sunday, Monday, I was like kind of over meditation because <laughs> uh, probably of my other um, weekend activities. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, y- you know, like but the having that like regular thing to like get back on the horse, um, you know, every week it was really helpful. Um, but the other thing I was I was going to say to you, too, is like you know, don't feel bad that you, uh, you know, that you've taken time off and that, uh, something that my like main meditation teacher told me was like the first step in a spiritual path is, uh, is actually when you miss a day of meditation or miss a day of your practice and you're like, well, I missed it, but I'm going to do it tomorrow, you know? So like just having that mentality of like just getting back on the horse, you know, yeah. even if you miss a day, cause I, I would do the same thing. I would be like, you know, I'd meditate for like a long period of time and then I'd miss a day and I'm like, well, there it goes. And then like, I wouldn't meditate again for another year, you know? Right. Yeah. I've been trying to take that same mentality into a, uh, I've been playing a lot of golf lately. Um, <laughs> after yeah <laughs> hell yeah uh i uh i mean I, I played quite a bit of golf when i was i don't know a young teen 12 13 14 mm-hmm. um but i think i had a pretty unhealthy relationship with it uh as if you walk around any golf course you see lots of grown men with unhealthy relationships with golf uh, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. a bad shot leads to a broken club uh, or like a club thrown in the water or, or what have you um and then obviously when you're, when you are playing golf, uh, things go downhill quickly if you can't move on. Mm -hmm, Uh, and mm -hmm. so I've been trying to reestablish a much healthier relationship with golf as kind of a, (laughs) as a, like very specifically as a mental health, uh, I don't know, not game or puzzle, but uh, something related to mental health. Um, 
yeah, finding ways to go out there and play golf and try to do well, but not feel like there's anything riding on doing well. Right. Um, yeah. And being able to, cause the most important thing on the course is being able to hit a bad shot and then move on and try not to hit a, a consecutive bad shot. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe there's kind of a parallel there with that idea of, uh, of kind of forgiving yourself for a hiccup. Oh yeah, for sure. And like, even, even within like a meditation practice uh, itself of the idea, like, uh, that, you know, you're focusing on your breath and then you're, you're like, oh, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then you like have a thought and then you're like, ah, crap. I like, I'm thinking <laughs> now, you know, and it's like, ah, I just hit a bad shot. But yeah, but the whole point of it is like to, to, is that moment. And then you're like, all right, you got to let it go and just, you know, just start over again, you know, as, uh, Sharon Salzberg would say, uh, she's a famous meditation teacher. Uh, she would, she says you can always start again. And so like the way that you described that the golf, like, I think that fits perfectly in line with that. And I'm glad you're establishing your old white man sport. Cause, uh, I just, <laughs> I just felt, I, I just went and played tennis, uh, a week or two ago with my friend and was like, this is awesome. So I think I'm going to start playing tennis. So, <laughs> you know, we got to get our, yes. got to get our old white man sports in. That's right. Uh, one day, one day early. we'll, uh, yeah, <laughs> one day we'll, uh, we'll belong to the same uh, golf and racket club. Yes, <laughs> and it will be glory. Whatever, whatever the one in Virginia Beach is. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, would you would you move back to Virginia Beach? Uh, it would be on the table for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, every time I go home, uh, like I'll be I'll be home for a week in August, uh, which I'm first time in a couple of years. Oh, wait, when? Um, it is, I think it's like the 8th to the 13th. Ah, bummer. Uh, cause I'm going to be there like the August, like 20th through the 25th, but. Oh yeah. Well, uh, ships pass in the night. Yep. Yeah. No, every time I go home, I, I, I think, man, I could do this. Yeah. I could, this feels good. But then I, I also have to then remind myself that, what I'm doing while I'm thinking that is sitting on the deck at Chick's Oyster Bar uh, <laughs> or Big Sam's, like yeah. drinking an, drinking an orange crush and eating fish tacos. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you don't think, well, yeah, you just got to get to the point where you can do that every day for the rest of your life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then you, or at least then feel you, like it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then you move back to Virginia beach. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird place. I mean, I, I do like every time I go, Oh, am I also similarly like, wow. I mean, particularly this time, cause I hadn't been, uh, it'd been the longest I'd been away ever. <laughs> um, and just like, just being like astonished with how like beautiful everything is. And of course, like going to the beach, going to the bay, you know, it's like, it's all really incredible. Um, and now that weed's legal, I mean, <laughs> uh, that certainly makes it a little easier. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting place. And like, uh, there's something, 
there's something spiritual about it. Um, but then, you know, as I've described to other people, uh, the culture of it isn't the best, uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways. And, uh, I, I often say it's like conservative California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, which you don't really have to go that far in California to find conservative California. Yeah. I, uh, yeah I it's, I mean, it's kind of like, like if you just go down to orange County, out here it gets real conservative real quick yeah um and it's it's i think it's a fair uh comparison uh between virginia beach and and orange county yeah i mean it's like yeah it's uh you know it's just all about the beach vibes but uh you know being chill but you know just uh I don't know, keep the taxes low or whatever, spend, spend a bunch of money on the military, you know? And I mean, yeah. like you, you can't escape. The other thing about Virginia beach too, is like, you just can't like escape the military. Uh, like, cause it's just, just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude. So the song is coming out. Uh, I mean the podcast will probably come out after the song. Um, based on my schedule um but the song is coming out uh july 23rd which is actually that's the day uh big house is releasing our album that day um just awesome that's great Uh, but but anything else you want to say about the song i mean i guess okay one more question i will ask about the song and if it's if it's too personal or, you, you know, you want to leave the mystery, like that's totally cool. <laughs> uh, but are you, are you singing to yourself on that song? Um, oh, interesting question. Um, sort of hmm. in a sense. Um, I mean, I think that this song is, yeah, yes. I think the answer is probably yes. Uh, it's, it's it's just kind of an exploration of some memories mm. um really of um i don't know that idea of uh, or that that thing that we've i'm sure we've all done of kind of diving into a relationship a little bit too quickly and too deeply for the moment no oh, i've never done that <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh me neither me neither yeah, yeah totally yeah, hypothetical yeah, yeah. hypothetical but yeah yeah <laughs> So yeah, I mean, it was kind of it was just thinking about uh, myself having done that, and then me now uh, having been some time since I've done that, uh, kind of singing to my younger self in a way, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and just yeah, just exploring um, the way that because I remember distinctly how intense those relationships could feel. And how intense the pain could be when they kind of fizzled out. Mm-hmm. Um, and now being removed from that by a bunch of years, uh, mm-hmm. I think even the pain has some nostalgia to it. Right. Yeah. Um, sure. And so I think that's kind of what, that's what I was trying to explore as I was writing the song. And, and when I play it now is, uh, is just this, yeah, the kind of, when does pain become nostalgic? When does it stop mm. feeling like hurt and start becoming something that um, is kind of on the sweet side of bittersweet? Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally relate to that. I mean, 
I often feel the times that I'm most nostalgic for are the times that were really bad in my life. <laughs> like, like, uh, Drake's album, take care, like, you know, the seminal yeah. album, uh, like, like I listening to that album just brings me back. Uh, if I put it on, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, this is great. You know, it brings me back to, 2012 when i or not not even 2012 like 2011 when i like just got back from nepal and literally was doing nothing and had no idea what i was doing with my life and it was like one of one of the worst times of my life but every time i hear that album it's like ah yeah this is great yeah (laughs) it's amazing it's amazing when you hear that song or that album or i mean people talk about uh smell a Mm. lot as being like the strongest uh kind of memory trigger Mm-hmm. Um, but for, for me, I think I'm with you. Like, I think it's music for me for sure. Um, like I was yeah. just, I'm about to, uh, drive across the country on Saturday. Well, not mm-hmm. in one day, but leave on Saturday. <laughs> Why and so not? I've been... <laughs> just one shot. <laughs> but, uh, I've been uh, heavily this week, uh, into a playlist making for that drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've been doing is trying to, I'm making playlists of artists from each state that we drive through that are timed for the duration of the drive in that state. Oh, it's wow. like, it, it's a unnecessarily onerous kind of yeah, uh, yeah. thing to do, but that's it's got me Nath- listening. I'm sorry. That's such a Nathaniel like thing to do. I, I, I feel like it's just like pure you, but anyway, I know if I were, if I were more industrious, I would write a blog about it and yeah, someone would pick that up. Uh, but I uh, do a podcast about it, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's got, it's had me listening to, um, I mean, it's cool because it's, it's had me discovering a lot of, uh, music that, I don't listen to because uh, there's just not that much music from Utah, for example, right. where we will be for <laughs> seven and a half hours. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, it, I was listening to, uh, oh gosh, now I can't remember what state. I want to say it's from uh, Nebraska. I think they're from Omaha. Uh, but I was listening to, uh, pulled up some cursive. Yeah, oh yeah, cursive uh, from Omaha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of great bands from Omaha that I wasn't, I didn't know were from Omaha. Dude, cursive, um, bright eyes, the faint, yep. man. Like those are the on. top three right there. Top three. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of the yeah, pretty much the whole bright eyes catalog is on this playlist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I was listening to cursive, and it immediately took me back to being like 14 year old, 14 years old, riding the school bus with my my neighbor Nick Jackson, mm-hmm. and he it was he had such an incredible taste in music and he would just burn me CDs every week, mixes every mm-hmm. week. Um, yeah. I don't know. Hopefully people listening to this know what that even means. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, of a bygone era, but yeah. he would like, he showed me like pixies. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, cursive, uh, a bunch of like hardcore stuff as well. But, uh, so it took me like, I, I just heard, I hadn't listened to cursive in quite a while. And as soon as this one song hit, I was back on the school bus. Wow. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's amazing. It can just like, it can transport you almost physically. Yeah, no, I, I truly believe that. Like I've, I've, I've felt that a lot too. And like, I don't know, I've 
yeah I've, i feel like in a way i'm getting just a bit more nostalgic i started listening to like afi again and stuff like that <laughs> yeah uh, uh i just yep. and i'm like this is great um but we are running a little long which is totally cool but i just have more questions for you and or well one in particular well okay let me back up um but I just to say, like, if you need to run, like, let me know. But uh, no, no, I'm good. But I know I'm I'm going long winded. I'll try to. Oh no, it's fine. Dude. Tighten it's, it up. It's fine. It's I think it's all good. <laughs> um, but so back to the song really quick. That's Mimi on the track, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. My and, wife Mimi. Yeah, and so uh, well, a I mean, she sounds awesome. She sounds great. <laughs> Um, and then B, it's kind of cool that like, you know, that this person in your like current relationship, uh, you know, is able to like, you know, kind of help you in this like process of like creating this song about, I'm assuming a former relationship. Yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, yes to all of that. Um, I mean, there's kind of an interesting thing because, um, we, Mimi and I started dating in June of, I don't know, several years ago, like 2014, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is something of that, like it could have been one of those summer things that mm-hmm. faded yeah. away and then became pain and then became nostalgia or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I'm glad it didn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad that, uh, it proved to be kind of more substantial than that. Um, but so there was something kind of, uh, I don't know, something familiar about talking about old summers and, and talking about kind of the beginnings of relationships. It was, it was really fun to have those conversations and explore that those memories with someone who I've, who's, uh, I've been in a relationship with now for uh, a lot more than a summer. Yeah, no, that's, that's super cool. And I mean, I think that's, you know, props to, to your relationship and, you know, it sounds sounds great and you know uh mimi's great and so i'm just happy for you dude (laughs) um but uh i did want to ask you since you brought it up earlier just uh if you (laughs) since i guess this is going to be my my new favorite theme is talking about the limitations of talk therapy um (laughs) (laughs) that'll be another a spinoff podcast of this talking about uh the limitations of talk therapy but uh i mean would you mind sharing your thoughts on that a bit? Sure. Yeah. So I, I had never been to therapy, never even considered it, um, until, um, I think it must've been early, late, uh, late 2018. Um, just because I was, Mm -hmm. I was as low as I had been in my life mentally. Um, and, was I'd always resisted it not through I'm sure some kind of like deep seated distrust of it that had come mm-hmm. from uh, the kind of stigma attached to it or whatever. Um, yeah. But I've, I had gotten to a point where I was like, dude, I have got to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that I think kind of leads into the limitations and that I went to it looking for answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is, I know not like a healthy thing necessarily, um, but very much in my character uh, is always looking for a solution. If there's a problem, I'm looking for a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, so my experience with talk therapy was not that, um, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was, um, there were no 
no solutions offered at all. Um, that said, uh, it was the first time in my life that I had a dedicated 45 minutes, hour a week to just like really, uh, not just think about how, what I was going through and what I was feeling, mm-hmm. but to say it out loud. Yeah. Um, and that led to some good ex- exploration and introspection, um, that led me, I think, to learning a lot about myself and which then through kind of other avenues, I was able, I've been able to kind of gradually climb those hills and, and hopefully come down the other side of them. But yeah, but mostly I just found it, I found it frustrating, frustratingly, uh, one-sided. Yeah. Um, at least I don't, I'm sure everyone, every therapist is different and everyone's experience with therapy is different. But for me, um, it was my therapist would, she said, uh, you come in and I'm not going to say a word until you start talking. Yeah. And so for the first several sessions, I would just sit there for 20 minutes and not say anything. Um, Mm -hmm. because I was just looking for some, I think, I guess I was just looking for some kind of prompt. Um, she may then have felt validated when I finally did start talking and started exploring stuff and, and, um, whatever the case may be. But, uh, I found as, as a newbie to therapy at the time, I was frustrated by the kind of one way street vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, that sounds like classical, you know, psychotherapy. I mean, it's not, I'm, I don't know if it was exactly that, but like, that's like, you know, the classical kind of psychotherapy thing, right. Is like, it's like, or psychoanalytic therapy is like, you know, the therapist doesn't really engage and it is all about the patient, uh, you know, giving the patient room to express and not influencing that expression in any way with like prompts and stuff. But I mean, that's why, which I think is a useful exercise, you know, and if, if, if somebody is down for it, you know, and like it took you, like, sounds like it took you a little while before, you know, you were really like down to do that. Um, but that's why, you know, I got to shout out my boy, Wilhelm Reich. And that was kind of his frustration on the other side of it as being a psychoanalytic therapist is that he would get those people that would come in and they wouldn't talk, you know, like, and he, he can't really do anything to make them talk. So that's when he started like really paying attention to people's bodies and like how people were holding themselves, like how people were speaking, like when they did speak, uh, you know, what their body shape was, what their musculature was like. Um, and that is when he kind of went into his theories of uh, of what he calls character armor, essentially, which is muscular holding in the body um, that contributes to the way that we think and feel, you know. And uh, so I like to think of the mind body as being this sort of well, I like to think of them as not being separate. But, you know, it's like the body influences the mind and the mind both influences the body where I think we you know, in our culture, we just take the top down approach, essentially, <laughs> you know, it's like the minds in control and everything else, uh, is, uh, succumbs to its will. But, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, that is a limitation with talk therapy, but then again, too, it's like, you know, whatever works for you. And again, this is not to say that like th- talk therapy is bad and that you shouldn't do it. Um, because again, if it works for you, then it's like, that's amazing, you know, but 
again, what you're saying seems to mirror, you know, certain frustrations that I've had with it. And also just based off of like my research of on the, on the field of therapy, uh, you know, I can see that it's, it's a struggle that other people would have too. Yeah. It seems to me like if I could, if I could go back and, and start it again, um, mm. I would hope to go in with kind of this, this, um, acknowledgement, I guess, or expectation that it's kind of a, it's a journey without a destination. Yeah. Uh, and as I said, like the frustrating part for me was I was looking for a destination. Um, mm-hmm. but I think once you, there's, there's definitely power and, and value in, um, I don't know, just exploring things, um, out yeah. loud, um, that you might not be able to do kind of silently in your head. Um, but I mean, it's something you've talked about, um, previously on, on the podcast, um, just that looking for like when talking about meditation, even it's like, you don't meditate to get good at meditating. Um, you're looking for, there should be some kind of practical application, um, or at least some way for you to take that out into the world with you. Mm -hmm. Um, and which is at least on its surface as an elevator pitch, a much more appealing pitch than let's go sit in a room and you can talk for an hour and then we'll see how you feel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think that's one thing that is great about meditation is that it's like empowering, you know, it's like, it's something you can do yourself. Um, but the other side of it, because before I was, before I started therapy, I was like riding a meditation high and I was like really meditating a lot and like, training to be a meditation teacher and all this stuff to the point where I was like, I don't need therapy. Like I can meditate. Like therapy is therapy is for the weak. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, and then I had a breakdown and then I was like, I, I can't, I can't do this on my own. Like I need, I need somebody. So there's that side of it too. I think is like, as much as it can be empowering to meditate on your own and to like, you know, take, take it, uh, you know, giving you something to specific to grab onto, uh, for your mental health that you can do that you're in control of, you know, it is good to have, you know, the people to support you, particularly when you really need that support. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of meditation, I guess it's that time. Uh, should we meditate? Yes, let's do it. Cool. Cool. Um, all right. So I think today, uh, we'll do classic body scan. Uh, so of course, for those of you listening, um, you are welcome to join us today. Uh, if you will be joining us, you want to make sure that you are taking a comfortable seat that, You can be seated on the ground with your legs crossed if that works for you, Um, or you can be seated in a chair. That's perfectly fine. I just say if you're seated in the chair, just make sure that your feet are firmly planted on the ground. Uh, Also, you can feel free to meditate with your eyes open or closed, whatever is most comfortable for you. Um, And yeah. And oh, yeah. Keep your back straight. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Relatively straight, Uh, but not strained straight but not strained so all right at the sound of the bell we will begin
So now we will place our awareness on our feet. Just noticing how our feet feel right now in this moment. Maybe they feel warm. Maybe they feel cold. Maybe you notice particular textures touching your feet. However your feet feel right now, just recognize that and become aware of that part of your body. And now we'll bring our awareness up to our seat where our body comes in contact with either the ground we're sitting on or the chair we're sitting in. Notice how you were held up and supported during your practice. Now, we'll bring our awareness up to the belly. Begin to notice the subtle movements of the belly. As it follows the breath. And now 
We'll bring our awareness up to our heart, to that space in the center of our chest. Feel in to this part of your body. and become aware of it. Now we'll bring our awareness up to the shoulders, checking in with this part of our body. Just begin to notice how your shoulders feel right now in this moment. Now we'll raise our awareness up to the back of the head, feeling a part of our body we're not often aware of. Now we'll bring our awareness back down to our feet. Noticing the textures that are touching them. Now we'll bring our awareness up to the seat, 
feeling the support. up to the belly noticing its subtle movements up to our hearts feeling that space in the center of our chest Now we'll bring our awareness up to the shoulders, checking in with this part of our body. And now we'll bring our awareness up to the back of the head. back down to our feet
And now we'll bring our awareness up to our seat. the belly Next, we'll bring our awareness up to our hearts. up to the shoulders up to the back of the head. just a moment I will ring the bell ending our meditation session once I ring the bell I invite you to join me in a bow dedicating all the merit that we've occurred today to the benefit of all sentient beings
right. You still with us? Still here. <laughs> good, good. Uh, well, how was that for you today? It was great. It, it felt like um, I'm out of practice for sure. Yeah. Um, but it was very nice. Yeah. Thanks for, lead, thanks for leading that. Of course. Uh, you'll, you'll get back into it. No problem. Um, yeah, felt good, good for me too. So thank you. Thank you for practicing with me today. Um, and thank everyone listening for practicing with me today, uh, with us today, uh, rather. Um, but Nathaniel, uh, so I guess one last time, black and blue is out July 23rd. Um, check out his music n.curbin i find it on spotify apple music whatever your preferred streaming services are we'll definitely have the links for you uh in the description uh but yeah nathaniel any last words anything else you want to plug um (laughs) no no i mean except for uh i was remembering earlier that uh one of my strongest memories of, of our relationship, yours and mine, was uh, sitting in Virginia Beach watching Space Jam, and <laughs> pretty soon we're gonna we're gonna have to uh, revisit that in the the Space Jam Redux. Dude, it looks so bad. Like, I'm gonna uh, give it the benefit of the doubt all the way through the film. Really? It's yes. It's, okay. All right. I, <laughs> it, because it, I agree. I agree. Okay. All right. All right. Well, yeah, I won't, I won't, I won't say what the critics are saying, but, uh, you can probably guess what they're saying. Um, but you know, you got to do it right. We got, you got to watch it. Um, but one last thing you're coming to New York, right? Yeah, I'll be, uh, in the kind of surrounding area for a couple different windows, uh, in late July and, and August sick dude well we'll definitely have to yeah. hang out then yeah um, definitely but yeah dude thank you so much uh for being here uh thanks for doing this with me uh everybody out there uh listen to n.curbin and uh we'll catch you m- next time awesome thanks man this was great dude thank you bye this has been another episode of meditating with friends If you enjoyed this podcast and want to learn more about my meditation teachings and programs, check out my website, jeremymcmindfulness.com.